for another episode of the Dribble Podcast. My name is Craig O'Donoghue from the West Australian newspaper, taking you through another season of talking to guests from the Perth Wildcats, Perth Lynx and WA Basketball to give you the best insight possible into what's happening in the sport throughout this state. The Lynx have one foot in the WNBL finals and it could be two feet on Wednesday night with the team certain to make the top four if Bendigo fail to end Townsville's 10-game winning streak. If the Spirit achieve that difficult task, Perth then will need to beat one of the two bottom teams to play the final. So it's a powerful position to be in. But the final round will come with travel challenges and that is all too familiar for the Lynx. And joining me now to discuss this is former Perth Lynx coach and basketball WA Hall of Famer, Andy Stewart. Andy, welcome to the Dribble Podcast. Uh, thanks for having me. So it's a nice scenario for any team to know that they only have to win one against the bottom two, but the sting in the tail is that if Townsville remain on top, they fly to Adelaide on Wednesday, then play Adelaide Thursday, fly to Canberra on Friday to play them on Saturday, fly to Melbourne on Sunday for the MVP awards, then would fly to Townsville on Monday for an away game on Wednesday. It's brutal, and it would sound familiar to you, wouldn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it seems to... Uh it seems to be a, a somewhat recurring theme uh, with with our uh, West Australian women's team uh, that you know they travel so far so often, but but especially towards the end of the season and and, and uh, yeah that that's going to present a lot of challenges for them. So I've actually gone back and checked the stats, and if we exclude the COVID hub in Queensland, if we go back to the start of the 2016-17 season, the Lynx have been scheduled to play 11 interstate games in the final round. No other team has played more than five interstate games in the last round, and Melbourne haven't left Victoria during that time. <laughs> what, what, what does that say to you? Do you feel like that sometimes they're forgotten about from a priority perspective as the fixture is put together? Well, I th- certainly think now, you know, and I hadn't looked at it as deeply as, uh, as you, but it certainly gives them a case to appeal that for the future. Um, but, you know, the, obviously the dilemma is uh, the job at hand is, is going to be even more difficult uh, with that level of travel. So you famously played Townsville and Canberra in the final round of 2018 and went in on the back of a 14-game winning streak with top spots secured. Uh, you chose to play your best team in order to not make a mockery of the comp. But then Sammy Whitcomb almost broke her wrist, import Amanda Dow injured her knee, and suddenly the entire final series changed for you. How do you reflect on that now? Yeah, it was a, it was a strange period of time. We were, we were really trying to uh, rebuild a brand... Um, uh, you know, you know, and, and try a lot of new things. We'd come under the new ownership of the uh, of the Perth Wildcats for that period of time, and and really, we were trying to do the right thing by the league. In hindsight, yeah, I think I got it wrong. Uh, in hindsight, I would have uh, suggested that you know we rest a player or two, maybe even more, and. Um, yeah, you know, and obviously it's easy in hindsight, but um, I suppose my recommendation to, to Ryan, not, not that I'm in any position to do that, but my um, recommendation to him would be um, do whatever is best for your playoff series. And if that means resting a player or two or dropping minutes down or whatever, um, yeah, then I, I definitely think that's the way to go at the moment. So there's obviously a lot of water to go under the bridge in terms of that Wednesday night game. But if they go, if they have the two games in the weekend where they know they're in, do you think they could rest half a team for one and play it in the other? Like there's two games, obviously, so it's not like it's just the one of them. Is it is it harder when there's two games? Do you feel, or can they say, well, we'll go helpful in the first one and then back off in the second? Look, it's basketball, and it, and so it's not comparable to 
to a lot of other sports. You need you need to keep playing to stay in form. And, um, you know, so you don't want to sit them out too long, but you don't want to hurt their legs either. And I think that then becomes a, a meeting with him and his staff and, and certainly strength and conditioning staff to go, well, where, how will we present these people in the in the best possible scenario we can. We need them to be rested, but we also need them to be informed. And so whatever combination they eventually decide, uh, you know, it's obviously going to be up to them. But my my thoughts are do whatever you sit down and you think is the best plan. Uh, don't worry about the result of the games. Obviously, knowing that you're in. Yeah, obviously. You know, obviously yeah, it's completely first. different. If, if Bendigo beat Townsville, um, well, that's a different ballgame. Now, if we get to the stage where Ryan Patrick can make some big calls, um, if he rests his big names, he could put a team on the court that includes Taya Burrows, Emma Gandini, Desiree Kelly, Matt Clinch-Hoycard, Jesse Edwards and Chloe Forster as six players who haven't been receiving a lot of game time lately but have uh, are actually part of the main roster and, and, and DPs. Do you, so there's six names. You know them very, very well. How competitive do you reckon those six could be playing for the bulk of a match? I, I don't know, but, but it would be great to find out. Um, uh, you know, and, and it's also great as he plans for for, for next year, as, as the group plans for next year, to see, you know, some of these younger players or more inexperienced players to see how they f- perform under the bright lights. Um, so I think you can gain a lot out of these games. Um, you know, the, I, I know that crew well enough to know that they're not going to lie down. So they'll go out and, and go for it. You know, the, the defensive intensity of, of uh, Gandini will just set a standard that's, you know, very high. And, and she's been used consistently during the season as well to, to create some defense. Um, so I think it would be extremely valuable for them to get those people on the floor and, and to see how they respond in those sort of situations as you make plans for the future. Because... As much as you want to keep a squad together for long periods of time, this always seems to be a change or two. So it'd be good information for the coaching staff to get. And from a WA basketball perspective, for the young players coming through to see all West Australians effectively on the court there, like this is essentially a WA team this season anyway. Alex Sharp is a Victorian, but has been in WA for three years, played two NBL1 West Grand Finals and been a league MVP. She lives here now. She doesn't go into state at the end of the season, so she's a quasi West Australian at the moment. Import Robbie Ryan was recruited from NBL One West, so that really leaves Lauren Scherf and Chloe Bibby as outsiders from WA. So it's a very WA basketball sort of team. Do you think that people are starting to realise that there is a pathway now? And if they see these sorts of players out there as, as the the next generation playing this week, they'll go, "This is a genuine pathway for us." Absolutely, but even and I mean, I think you've missed the the main cog. Um, you know, Sam Wickham come through the. Um the SPL or the NBL one uh, as well, and, and nobody was really that interested in it. I remember trying to get coaches on the East Coast uh, interested in it before I took on took on the role. Um, but but even there, you know, I mean, Sam's made WA her home. I, I, I love it, and I love the idea that young kids can can work their way into you know representing their you know as good as their state in this program. So we saw some of the uh, academy players for Lynx playing with you at the under-20s tournament recently. So tell us about the talent that is coming through. What sort of names should we be looking for and, and how deep do we go from a women's perspective at the developing level? 
Oh, look, I, I love that crew, but Ruby Vlahoff rolled her ankle two minutes into the first game. And then um, Grace Foster, who's, who's in that squad as well, um, you know, she struggled with back pain most of the week. And then as she hit some form, uh, she rolled her ankle as well. And Malia Tharp, uh, she's just perpetual motion. She just didn't stop all week. Um, you know, defense and boards. And, um, you know, and then you've got, uh, you know, Jada Clark at the, the COE, who, um, you know, had some really, really good games. So there's a lot of talent um, coming through, and that's me only mentioning uh, four of them. Uh, they're a fun group to coach. Just a shame that we were, you know, smashed by injuries so early in the week that we couldn't really uh, show everybody what their, their real capabilities were. But even then, you know, they only just lost the bronze medal game as well. And we know there is a tax on being a West Australian sporting team, whether it's the flying tax and having to spend more time in the state or whether it's having to recruit players from the state and paying more money to retain them. Do you think that we're starting to see now that this team, the Lynx can put together a competitive team where they're not having to pay overs for players to come from the state and overs for people to stay in the state because you've got these young kids coming through? Well, I think it's, I think it's the case. I think Ryan's done a really good job of just bringing in the pieces that he needs. And that's, and that's what, you know, that, that's what, what I'd love to see. You know, you've got your, your base squad of, um, you know, eight, seven or eight really good players, um, a, a good squad behind them, and then you load it up, whether it be whether through American imports or players off the East Coast that just fit the, the slots that you feel you're a little bit deficient in. There was a really fascinating element to Perth's win over Bendigo on Thursday. The Lynx were humiliated by Southside in the previous game and Ryan Petrick went old school. He decided he was going to just tell it like it is. And here's what he said post-game about their review meeting, which they held two days before they played Bendigo. It's high risk, high reward. Like, it was 2023. Like, I would love to have been the 1990s <laughs> AFL coach and just go and rip some streets. You've got to pick your moments in 2023, unfortunately. Like, we clipped every single player. And we did tell them before we started film, like, oi, if you're going to get upset easily, no problems, like, don't come in, because this is going to be brutal. Um, we hit them as hard as we could. Their response today was just phenomenal. But that's, that's now the bar. So you've coached for a long time. Ryan's coached for a long time as well. How difficult is it to provide the required level of feedback to the modern-day player compared to what you could get away with 10, 15, 20 years ago, do you reckon? What are you suggesting I coached 20 years ago? Are you calling me old? <laughs> you've been around for a while. You know that too. Yeah, yeah no, no, no. Look, it, it, really is a, it really is a balance. Um, and, but the beautiful thing about video, and that's what Ryan has just stated that he's done it in, he's done it in video, if you think that video is lying, then you've got some more serious problems rather than dealing with what somebody has just addressed you on. So if you've got, if you can sit there and say, no, I didn't actually do what is actually on the screen. Yeah. Then, then, and so, yeah, look, the modern day player, there's no doubt about it. But I also think that we're, we're starting to reach a balance because I, I do believe that the senseless, a barrage of of uh, comments at players where coaches were not uh, held accountable in any form wasn't necessarily a good time either. So I don't I don't know that um, you know ripping into players very hard 
on a consistent basis just because you happen to be the coach. Uh, well, one is right, but or is effective. And um, so, yeah, I, I agree with you and I agree with him. You've got to pick your time. If you do it all the time, yeah, people are going to get sick of you. I had a coach walk out fun time during a, during a meeting. Just said, "I'm sick of you all. You're not doing as you're told. So I'm leaving." That was um, that was a fun meeting. I'll never forget that one. Uh, what about the men and women? Like we're, we're different beasts, and that's not a criticism. That's just a reality. I, I could say the exact same thing to my kids, and I know my daughters will interpret it differently to how my son will interpret it because we're all just men and women are different in, in their makeup. So Ryan coaches men in the winter and women in the summer. You've coached men and women. Do you have to at all change your communication style, or is coaching just coaching regardless? And once it's a sporting environment and nothing changes. You, you've got to change your style with every individual. And it's not even a case of uh, men and women. It's a case of each individual uh, handles feedback uh, completely different. The coach that has the skills to be able to handle every player in every situation doesn't exist. I've fallen out with numerous players and I expect I will. He will have fallen out with numerous players and he will again. Um, it's trying to find that, that mass uh, where your communication is in a style that gets to the majority of the, uh, of the people. I, I, I actually work on the philosophy. If I can get to 80% of the people in 80% of the ways that I want to, that's a win. Um, but certainly I do feel that the, the women's strength over the men is that they are – way, way more alert and relational than what my experience with the average guy is. And so if you can't find some sort of uh, relational level uh, with with the female player, you're probably going to struggle in, in a number of different areas. And I'm not saying I ever got it right or that I got it too wrong, but it's a continual challenge to make sure that you're trying to relate uh, with each one of your players, male or female, in a way that they can receive information. And obviously there's always going to be that 5 10% of players. It doesn't matter how you formulate it, uh, you're not going to reach them. And, you know, and that's just the reality of sport. You've been courtside in many of the Lynx games this season. How do you rate their chances if, as expected, they make the finals from here? Look, I think that they, uh, they just have some incredible offensive weapons. And, um, and when they're on song, uh, yeah, they can take anybody. They, they can take anybody. I, I've, I, I don't think there's a – there's probably not a game this year that I've missed, actually. I've either got it on um, – I've watched it live on screen or I've watched it live there or I've picked up bits of it, um, you know, in, in a delayed uh, telecast somewhere. Um, so I've enjoyed uh, watching them. Uh but really, they, they are. They, they, um, they need to score relatively freely, I think, to be, uh, to be able to go deep into the playoffs. And I think that'll be their, their challenge. But when they're on song, well, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't want to come up against them. <laughs> well, look, thank you very much for joining us. There's not much you haven't done in this sport, so it's been fantastic to get your insights. So uh, hopefully the links go well for everyone and um, you, you enjoy watching them play throughout the finals. And, and certainly for this weekend, as they just try to lock in that final spot. So thanks for your time on the Dribble Podcast. Uh, pleasure, mate. Thank you again.
Well, what a weekend it was for Perth Wildcat Todd Blanchfield. Australia played Kazakhstan and Bahrain in World Cup qualifier games, knowing that we'd already qualified, but it was a great opportunity for Blanchfield to remind everyone what he could do after spending most of the last few games uh, of the NBL season on the bench for the Perth Wildcats. I interviewed Todd after the Boomers squad was announced, and he actually said his confidence was back to a really high level, and he was keen to get out there and show what he could do. Now, I've heard many players across many sports utter those words, and it sometimes sounds like they're trying to convince themselves that they're in form, but this had a little bit of a different tone to it, which I found really interesting. And then Todd stepped out on court and top scored with 20 points against Bahrain, including four three-pointers. Now, I don't care who they were playing. When you're in a team with other NBL stars, including two of Australia's bronze medal-winning Olympic team and another who has played NBA, if you top score, you've had a big game. And then he stepped up against Kazakhstan a couple of days later, scored 31 points, including seven three-pointers. That's right, seven. The entire team scored 14, so he scored half of their three-pointers. That's 51 points for Todd Blanchfield across two games. He scored 115 for the whole season for the Wildcats, playing different role, as we said, and coming off the bench a lot. So it certainly does look like there is still life in Todd Blanchfield yet. So if anyone was concerned about what it meant for him sitting on the bench uh, in the latter stages of the season. He can still clearly play. You can't score if you're not shooting, and you can't shoot if you're not on court. So it, it poses some really interesting challenges for the team now for next season and for opposition next season as to how they might try to shut him down and what his role might be. He's got a big few months with John really to work out how he slots back into that team from here. Uh, Mitch Norton got out there as well for the Boomers and did his usual thing as a defensively-minded point guard. It's another quality sign for the Wildcats next season. Former Wildcat Nick Kay was also out there. He was his captain this time, and I'd be less confident of him um, going from Australian captain to Perth Wildcat next year, given the amount of coin he can attract overseas. But Wildcats fans can live in hope. Uh, Reese Vague was also out there also for the Boomers, and is developing beautifully overseas uh, after spending several years with the Wildcats also. Now, there have been movements from an overseas perspective with Wildcats players in recent days and recent weeks. Uh, Brady Manick is the latest of those. He signed in Turkey for the rest of the season. Uh, then we've got Tayshawn Thomas, who is in France, and Corey Webster is in Montenegro. So there's always a lot of opportunities for players once the NBL season ends, and those guys are seizing their chances to play some more, earn some more, and be overseas and experience something a little bit different. The NBL Grand Final Series starts on Friday between the Sydney Kings and New Zealand Breakers. It feels like it's forever since we've actually seen an NBL game due to the FIBA break. It's lost a bit of a momentum the NBL Final Series, which is a shame, but hopefully in a best-of-five series, we will see that momentum build quite quickly. The Kings were in Perth on February 5 for their last game of the regular season, and it's quite amazing that due to that combination of finishing on top and getting the breaks uh, as a reward for doing that, and then you combine that with the FIBA games break, it means they'll end this Friday's game having played only three games in 25 days. They played seven games in the previous 25 days, so time will tell whether they are rested or underdone, and it's a fine balance between those two sorts of things, especially when you're coming up against a quality opponent when there's lots of travel going on and it's a grand final so it promises to be an intriguing NBL grand final series. Looking to the other side of the world we were fortunate to have WA trio Alex Dukas, Kyle Bowen and Harry Wessels as guests mid-season to discuss their college campaign with St Mary's. Well their team was crowned as joint West Coast Conference champions alongside Gonzaga over the weekend. The Gales had a 25-6 record and are now 
now the West Coast Conference top seed heading into the qualifying tournament for March Madness. That means they get a bye in the first round, and that gives them a very strong chance of going through to that tournament, which everyone looks forward to every single year. So it's exciting for those three. Hopefully it continues to go well for them. Well, that's it for this week's episode of the Dribble Podcast. Thank you to Andy Stewart for his time. Remember, you can read all of your basketball news in the West Australian newspaper and keep logging on to thewest.com.au. Thanks to the magnificent Kate Ryan for her production work. As always, we'll be back next week with another episode of the Dribble Podcast.